Well, hey, good evening, everybody. Man, I'm so excited for tonight. Like I said, uh, Wednesday night is my favorite night of the whole week. Uh, my name is Cameron. Uh, my wife, Samantha, and I are the youth pastors here at Harvest Bible Church. And um, I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh, and man, we have the extraordinary honor and privilege and responsibility to pouring into the next generation. The church, I mean, mean, let me say, the youth is not the church of the future. They are the church right now, right here with us. Amen. Well, I want to do something that I think is uh, really special. I think it's really amazing. Um, I want to first thank you all for for those who supported us when we were at camp, those who prayed for us, those who sponsored. And um, man, so I would like uh, some of my youth students to come up and share what God did in their life. Do you, mind, do you mind if we start off with some testimony? Does that sound good? All right, you students, come on up. Give it up for these people who just came back from camp. Give it up, give it up. All right, now I've asked, I've asked them to, to share just for about 30 to 60 seconds of what God did in their life this week at camp. So, uh, who wants to go first? I mean, should we draw sticks or? <laughs> Josiah was the first one to volunteer, so give it up for Josiah. Come on up, man. All right. So, share briefly what God did in your life this past week at camp. Okay. So, this past week at camp was really great for me because I was really touched by the Holy Spirit. I remember that last night when I was just praising the Lord and Cameron was praying over me, and I just started speaking in tongues. The next thing I knew, I was just, I was on the floor, and it was just, <laughs> it was, it was amazing. And I just, after that day, I just continued to pray in tongues. It was just great. Amen. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank. You. Is is Eliezer here? Oh man, he was he was catching people left and right. Man, he is awesome. All right, give it up for Trenton. Trenton, come on up, man. Camp was a pretty special experience for all of us. I think Josiah wasn't the only one who got the gift of tongues, and I think a lot of people did, actually, that didn't have it before, including me. Even uh, someone as young as Tim got, I'm pretty sure he got something out of it, too. But it really affected me personally when the last day really is what what hit home for me. The first day was great, and the second day was great, but the third and final day, that really touched me because that's uh, one of the first times that I've gotten prayed over like that, where uh, the Holy Spirit kind of touched me. And you know, I haven't cried in a while, but, you know, <laughs> since, since, since last Wednesday, yeah. <laughs> but when I got prayer on that final day, it just let loose. I feel like it was just a really meaningful experience that, kind of changed the way that I've seen things. Really quick, funny story. Trenton, come here real quick. Um, there was there was someone on the program team who was like, man, I see a lot of uh, students who are just hanging out in, you know, counselors, adults who are cleaning tables. And he goes, look at this guy. He's, he's an adult cleaning a table right now. He goes, I appreciate you. I know. They come up to me and they're like, is this your youth pastor? Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> I said, I said, bro, he's 15, so. Miss Gabriella, come on up. 
Give it up for Gabriella. So I didn't have a, as much of an experience like that as Trenton and um, Josiah did, though I saw like quite a moment like when maybe the first or second night um, people were like crying and, and kneeling down and like praying and it seemed like people were raising their hands during worship and I, was, I wasn't in the front at the altar where quite a few students were gathered. I was sitting back and just kind of maybe observing it all and I saw like people like I was like, God, I was praying, and I was like, God, it seems like your people are seeking you. Like, it seems like they're they're beckoning you for an answer. Like, they're they're asking you for things, but are you answering them? And then, it's not like on the spot I got an answer to that question. Like, yes, I'm answering them. But I know, like, John 15, 7, and the other verses, like, seek and you shall find. Those are in Scripture. And then I saw, like, people kneeling down and laying on the ground and things got quieter and 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 people were still worshiping because the band maybe the band was still up there and and then people started leaning on each other and hugging each other and there were these like teenagers like someone who I think was maybe a senior in high school and he was like not not exactly somebody who I would think would be like let me give you a hug right now but I saw like younger classmen seemingly come up and he's just like embracing them and hugging them and I was like I was thinking, God, you've given us this church to lean on for people to come together, right, and to to rely on each other. So even if we can't exactly touch you here and now, though some people did get touched by the Holy Spirit, um, we have each other. And, like, how beautiful that was just to see, like, people, like, all crying and leaning on each other in the churches, huddling around the person who's getting prayed for. Like, how beautiful that was. So, Amen. Thank you, Ms. Gabriella. How many of you are glad that when you seek, you shall find? Amen. And when you ask, you shall receive. And when you knock, the door shall be opened unto you. Amen. All right, Tim, give it up for Tim. Tim. Um, no, this is Tim. And man, Tim got filled with the Holy Spirit at camp. Amen. That's awesome. Thank you. Last call. Any people in the back who told me that you would and you didn't come up here? Anybody else? Anybody else want to share and testify? No pressure, but we're, we're kind of holding us up here. Not, give it up for Taylor. Taylor, awesome. Those are the coolest pair of pants you own. So this one, it is about me, but it's like not at the same time. But um, at the women's retreat, um, Pastor Pam like said, like m- my hands are going to be like healing hands. So when I was there, um, this, this like girl, probably like a junior, maybe she was in the spirit. And when she got back up, like, I was just like, I want to go pray for her. So I went up to her and I started praying for healing. And then after I was done praying for her, she was like, she was like, I fell under the spirit because for, for like healing and like that's the first thing you said when you came to pray for me is healing. So I was like, oh, wow, that's how go. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Tay. All right. 
Last one, Miss Giselle. So I was touched by the Holy Spirit at the women's retreat. And while I was at the summer camp, um, I just felt the Holy Spirit just, you know, rising inside of me. And, you know, so I just went around and I started praying over people and I started to pray in tongues. Uh, Cameron and Samantha came and they started to pray over me and they told me just, you know, start saying what I felt, you know, and um, all of a sudden I was just praying in tongues and I got on my knees. Thanks. Come on, give it up for all these youth students one more time, you guys. Thank you. I got to preach now. I got to hydrate real quick, y'all. Give me a second here. Yeah. Holy water, he said. All right. So I, I want to take tonight to talk about something that I believe to be vital in our walk with Christ. I want to ask what might be the second most important question. I mean, the most important question is, do you know Jesus? And does he know you? Because without answering that question, it says none shall enter the kingdom of heaven, right? But there's this other question that's really important for us to answer. And it's this, which is the title of my message tonight, is that changed my life. But now what? Bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's pray one more time. Father, help in Jesus' name, amen. Y'all, the word is already anointed. Pray for me. I think this question we can answer a few different ways, and that's what I want to take tonight to do. So the first thing, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The first thing in this, this question of that changed my life, but now what, is be confident. Turn to your neighbor. Say, be confident. If you don't got a neighbor, turn around and say, be confident. And this is not the kind of confidence that you read about in a self-help book. This is the kind of confidence that we find in Christ. Amen? If you have your Bibles, turn them to Philippians 1.6. I'm going to turn there and I'm going to proceed to read it out of my iPad regardless of the fact that I just turned there in my Bible. Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident, say confident, of this, it goes on to say this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You know, I heard a preacher tell me one time, he said, I'm not a mighty man of God, I am a man of a mighty God. Amen. Do you see what happened there? It's, it's a shift. It's not me. I am a mighty man of God. It's I am just a man who happens to serve a God who happens to be mighty. Amen. The confidence that we need to hold should not be in ourselves. The confidence we need to hold should be in God. And how many of you know that God is faithful? And when he is the one who starts the good work within you, he is the one who's going to carry it on until completion to the day that Christ Jesus returns. 
Simple as that, right? All right, bow your heads closed. Let's, let's, let's close. No. It's not always that simple, right? Like we sometimes hear things and we're like, man, that sounds nice. But how many of you know it's not always as simple as just hear it and then I believe it and apply it to every part of my life? How many of you know sometimes it's a little more complicated than that? So if you're not convinced, let me take the rest of the night to try my best to do that. Because I believe one of the greatest challenges that we have is taking the things that God speaks to us here and applying it to the rest of our lives. That might be the most challenging thing that we have to do is take what God speaks to us here, right? That changed my life here, but now what? How do I now take this and apply it to the rest of my life? If you're taking notes, write this down. When you know the truth, you must act on the truth. When you know the truth, you must act on the truth. Open your Bibles to James 4, 7. This is what it says. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do than not do it. It is a sin to do, to know what you ought to do than not do it. So it's not only a disservice when you know the truth and don't act on the truth, but in some cases it is sin. When you know the truth, you must act on the truth. Let me encourage you with this. And I know that in this room, we have people of of all different levels of faith, all different levels of their journey of where they are with God. Jesus accepts you the way you are when you find him. But he loves you too much to let you stay that way. Jesus accepts you the way you are when you find him. But he loves you too much to let you stay that way. Because let me tell you, you don't have to be without sin to come to Jesus. You just got to be ready to deal with it. Amen? Amen? You don't have to be without sin to come to Jesus. You just have to be ready to deal with it. And here's the thing. Jesus will not give up on you. Aren't you glad that he is much more patient than us? God is not done, young people, with that Wednesday night that changed your life. God is not done with that altar call that changed your life. God is not done with that camp that changed your life. God is not done with that moment of prayer in your car that changed your life. Because when he is the one who started the good work within you, he is the one who's going to carry it on to completion to the day that Christ Jesus comes. Jesus loves you too much to let you stay in your sin. You know, we were never called to live in sin in the first place. Let's, let's go to Galatians 5. And, and, and the book of Galatians is where we're going to be for mostly the rest of the night here. Book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 13, says this. For you have been called to live in freedom. Turn to your neighbor, say freedom. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. 
God's grace is not freedom to sin. God's grace is freedom from sin. My mentor always told me this. He said, Jesus didn't come to take away your fun. He came to take away your pain. But the issue is we get those two things confused. We think that the things that are actually fun are fun, but in reality, they're actually the things that are going to cause you pain in your life. Because what does sin do? Sin ensnares you. Sin traps you in place. Sin makes it to where you can't grow. And the grace of God allows you to break free from it. Amen? Amen. Looking at the book of Galatians, you guys, we, we see Paul who's, who's constantly trying to warn us about the dangers of abusing God's grace. He's constantly warning us. Like, let's look at Galatians 6, verse 8. Those who only live to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Do you notice something about these passages of Scripture? It's saying, you you can do this, but instead, do this. He's trying to warn us about the dangers of abusing the grace of God while also encouraging us and saying you can use it to please the Spirit. And I want to look at a story of grace. Turn your Bibles to Luke 19, verse 1. It's called Jesus and Zacchaeus. Turn to your neighbor, say Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. So we meet a guy, his name's Zacchaeus. Okay, he's this rich tax collector, but he's a Jewish man. Okay, he's not only considered a thief, because tax collectors at the time were thieves. Some might argue today they still are, but that's not where I'm going with this tonight. But he's also considered a traitor to the Jewish people. It wasn't right for a Jewish person to work for the Roman Empire because what that statement was kind of saying was that you were putting Caesar to be Lord above God. And we don't have all the time to get into his full story. But I, I, I read these stories and my mind asks questions that are not too relevant. But sometimes the Spirit of the Lord reveals to me that they are. I'm like, what was his social life like? What did people do on Friday nights? Did it matter that it was Friday night? But I, I was thinking, and I imagine that Zacchaeus actually didn't have a lot of friends. He had employees, servants, maids, I mean, anything that could be bought, he probably had. And all of a sudden, he hears about this guy named Jesus, which uh, a man who was as powerful and influential as Zacchaeus certainly knew who Jesus was. And he hears about this guy, Jesus, who is a friend to people like him. 
And, and it's not just as simple as he ate meals with sinners, but what to, to, to eat meals with somebody in that time meant to associate yourself with them. It would be the equivalent of having a Facebook friend today. Thank you for that pity. Thank you to my wife for starting it. So he wants to see Jesus, but he can't see over the crowd because he is lesser in stature. <clears throat> I can't relate. Um, you know, that's the way they describe it in the Bible. A friend of mine uh, asked me to, to ask all you if we can use that same language today. I'm asking for a friend. So he, he climbs up in a tree. He's very intuitive. Uh, he, he climbs up in this tree because he can't see over the crowd of people. I'll, I'll be honest. I can relate. Okay. I can relate to that part. That's why I hate concerts. But he, he climbs this tree, it's, and it's, it's a sycamore fig tree. And, and if you look up what that tree actually is, it's this very leafy and bushy tree. So he's in the top, and he's probably thinking that he's hidden. He's ashamed, so he has something trying to cover him. But Jesus spots him in the tree. Aren't you glad that Jesus can see through the things we try to hide? Jesus sees Zacchaeus, and he doesn't just say, hey, man of small stature in the tree, come down. But what does he do? He says, Zacchaeus. You know, they say the sweetest sound to a person is their own name. He calls him by name and receives Jesus joyfully. Then it says, but the people started to mumber. He's gone to be the guest in the house of a sinner. Mm. I mean, imagine everyone else who came there. Man, I've been reading my Bible every day. I know he's going to stay at my house. How long did you pray yesterday? 45 minutes? That's nothing. There's no way he's coming to your house. I prayed for two hours. He's coming to my house. But aren't you glad that Jesus didn't do it based on works? But he did it based on the heart. And something really incredible happens in this story. So, so that's, it, it almost seems like there's a missing passage of scripture. Because we go from Jesus received, or, or Zacchaeus joyfully received Jesus into his home. The people muttered. And then all of a sudden, says Zacchaeus stood up probably on a stool or table. And he says, I, I'm giving away half of everything I own. Read that and I, I have to go back. I'm like, did I, did I miss something? No, it, he stood up all of a sudden, gives away half of everything he owns. Then he goes on to say, he'll restore anything he's ever stolen by four times as much as he's ever stolen. But I feel like, and then I'll, I'll, I'll make my way to the close, Ryan, if you, if you would come back up and play behind me. I almost feel like it's out of the Bible for a reason. Imagine if we heard the exact conversation. I just feel like it would become some kind of religious formula. Okay, well, Jesus said exactly this, and he did exactly this, and... And then he repented and gave back 
you know, everything that he stole. So all I have to do is go up to the same person in the same way and then say what Jesus said and the exact same thing will happen. This is not a formula. It's, it's not something that we can just say, I'm, I'm just after someone's soul. And I, I know that term, soul winning, is, is a big thing and, and that's what we really do. But I really think that that term is what pushes away a lot of people from my generation and the generation coming. So if you say you want somebody's soul, the first thing they hear when they say that, oh, somebody else who just wants something from me. We can't save anybody's soul. Jesus does that. But you know what we can do? We can win people. We can win people by having relationship with them, by speaking and preaching the truth to them, even when it hurts. Paul even writes in Galatians, he says, have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? How many of you know these days, yes, you will become everybody's enemy if you tell them the truth. You are canceled if you know the difference between a boy and a girl. I mean, there's something seriously, seriously wrong when, when the truth is just met with such aggression and anger. But here's the thing about Zacchaeus. He had a choice. You know what he could have done? He could have just said, you know, I received the grace of God, but I'm, I'm going to keep stealing from people. And every time after I do it, I'll just repent. It'll be okay. I'll just ask for his grace. And I'll continually know to steal from people and satisfy my flesh. Option number one. Option number two is he could change. Turn to your neighbor. Say, something has to change. Now turn to your second choice neighbor and say, something has to change. And these aren't really choices. These aren't real choices that are presented because the first option is bondage. The second option is freedom from that bondage. Look what Paul says in Galatians 5.1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. And Zacchaeus shows us something very important that I want to tell you the same applies for us today. Turn to your neighbor one more time. Say, deal with the stuff. If you're taking notes, write this down. Say, deal with the stuff. And you guys, what, what is the stuff? What do I mean by that? The stuff is every active living sin in your life that takes you further away from Jesus instead of bringing you closer. You don't have to be without sin to come to Jesus, but you have to be ready to deal with it. You have to be ready to deal with the stuff. I mean, if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and falling in the same sin cycles over and over and over again, you have to deal with it. Listen to me. What you do not resolve, 
you will repeat. What you do not resolve in your life, you will repeat in your life. And let me tell you, sin does not resolve by itself. If you're waiting for those sinful desires to naturally go away, get ready to wait. Sin does not resolve by itself. Sin revolves by the power of God because the same God who started a good work within you is the same God who will finish it to completion to the day of Christ Jesus' return. So why is this an important question? This is such an important question for me because I've seen a lot of people Adults, kids, and youth. Whether it be at an altar call, a camp, a church service. They miss a spiritual moment with Jesus in exchange for a highly emotional moment. Let me tell you something. (laughs) I'm not saying that you shouldn't have emotions. Your emotions make great companions. They make terrible leaders. Imagine if you only did what you felt like doing all the time. Raise your hand if you would have went to work this morning. Good. We don't need an altar call for lying. Uh, No. But a truly spiritual moment with Jesus will make sustainable changes in your life. Because if his blood is sufficient for your salvation, then his blood is sufficient to sustain you in every challenge, in every trial, in every sin, in every temptation that you walk through. His blood is sufficient. You know, Paul writes this too. And the exact verse escapes me, but it's, it's in Hebrews, but he says... You were running the you were running the race so well. What has held you back from following the truth? Sometimes I I read a passage of scripture and I'm convicted because I just read over it and I just it's like it just like it just cycles through. But sometimes when you stop and read it, you can hear the urgency in the writer's voice. And so I try to reread it like imagining the emotion that the author had. You were running the race so well. What's held you back from following the truth? And I guess my final question to you tonight is those of you who are running this race, And Paul writes, therefore, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off every sin and break every sin that ensnares us and run this race with our eyes focused on the founder and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. This is a race that we're running. What has held you back? Let's be honest. And I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to share. But if you would be honest and raise your hand that you either have had or have something that's held you back or holding you back from running the race that God has set before you. I think a lot of us would answer honestly. Yeah, something's held me back. And so remember, I mean, we could... 
we could have you come forward and we could have a highly emotional moment and you could be like, oh, it was so awesome. But if you just take the spiritual moment or if you just take the highly emotional moment and you miss the spirit of God that's behind it, then what have we done? You know what really breaks my heart? Is to see Christians living in bondage, but they call it grace. Let me explain. So this is what they do. They come to altar call, got my chains on, got my sin with me. Wow, what an amazing service. What an amazing service. Oh, that was so amazing. Oh, man, I feel incredible. And service is up. Well, <clears throat> time to go. And you laugh, but you have no idea how much I see this happen every single week. We believe that God has set us free. We have this emotional moment at the altar. We let down our chains. We feel so free. We feel amazing. And what do we do? We leave and we take our chains with us and we say, well, my sin's not that bad. I mean, at least I'm not doing this. At least I'm not doing all that. I mean, my sin are like, if it's large, medium, and small, my, my sins, you know, I got a couple mediums. I got one large, but the rest are small. But what distinction does God make with sin? You know, all sin has different consequences for us as a society, but it all equally grieves the heart of God. All equally. And so many people do what I just did. Oh, God set me free. And they start to justify the sin in their life. And what you do when you do that, and you may not realize it, is you come back to that altar where God changed your life and you pick your chains back up and you go home. You didn't have a spiritual moment. You had an emotional moment. And what is actually happening there is demonic. It's twisting the grace of God that, is, that God has provided for us to set us free from sin. And we use the very thing that's supposed to free us from sin and we use it to enslave ourselves. There has to come a point where we stop choosing slavery over sonship. And I, I want to have a moment of altar time, but I want to preface it by saying I'm not inviting anybody up to have a spiritual moment. And I don't care if you want that and you want to feel good going home, but as soon as those emotions fade away, some of you who have been at this Christianity thing for a while, you know that 
that revelation goes away too. That's because you've had an emotional moment and not a spiritual encounter with Jesus Christ. And so my question to you tonight is this. You were running the race so well. What has held you back from following the truth? And let me tell you, I I tell the young people this. If you can't take a stand in a room full of people who love you, you will never make a stand in the world that hates you. So with every head up and every eye open, if you have something holding you back and you're just tired of it, and you're ready to take those chains off and leave them at this altar with everyone looking around, I want you to come up to this altar. I want you to come up here. If you have some things holding you back and you want to let those go, I want you to come up. And if that's not you, will you give it up for people making some amazing decisions in their life tonight? And this is not for anything special. This is not to be emotional, but what you do by coming up here is you're saying, hey, I got some things holding me back and I'm tired of it. It's nothing more exhausting than being Christian on Wednesdays and Sundays and being the opposite every other day of the week. And I know that because I lived that for years. And so all across this room, and if you needed to come up and you still want to come up, I'll give you a second. let me minister to you real quick now this is where I will actually close I promise okay so I'm watching this video on YouTube I know that's how all great theology starts and it's on how to trap and kill a baboon now this is all very important information that I need but here's what they do they they carve out a hole in a tree and they put something shiny in there something worthless they'll put a shiny nickel they'll put a a reflective gum wrapper in there the baboon sees that they're very curious creatures they put their hand in and they grab it in a fist and they get stuck there and the hunter will come up and kill them and they lose their life Why? Because they're holding on to something that has no value. But to them, it's valuable and they will lose their life because of it. And can I tell you that so many Christians will die on the hill of something that doesn't matter. And so many Christians will just hold on to something that has no value whatsoever. Let me tell you this. Following Jesus truly will cost you something and I would challenge you if your walk with Christ has cost you nothing so far you need to reevaluate because following Jesus will cost you something but not following Jesus 
will cost you everything. Because you're holding on to something that's holding you back from running this race. Let's pray. And everyone in the congregation, would you stretch your hands forward to our folks at the altar? Father, we thank you for everyone who stepped forward. And Father, we just thank you that they have the courage, Father, to be up here. Father, that they recognize that there is something holding them back in this race. And Father, we as a church, we as a body have gathered together tonight, Father, in support and in solidarity of them. So, Father, I pray that you would just reveal to them in their hearts, Father, whatever it is, the things that are holding them back from following you. Father, make it as clear as the sun. Illuminate it in their lives. Father, what is it that's holding them back from following you? Father, what is that thing that they're holding on to that's holding them back, that's keeping them captive, that's keeping them in sin? Father, reveal it. Now at this altar, you got to be ready to let it go. Because I don't want to just have an emotional moment here. If you're up here and you're ready, if you're in the congregation, you didn't come and you're ready to, close your fists, close your fists. Now I want you to visualize in the theater of your mind the thing that's holding you back. You're captive right now. You're stuck in sin because of this. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. And when you're ready, not a moment sooner, not a moment later, but when you're ready to let that go, I want you to open up your hands and give Jesus a shout of praise. Whether you're the only one doing it, if you're the first, when you're ready, let go. Give the Lord a shout of praise for what he's doing in your life right now. Hallelujah! When you're ready, give him a shout of praise! Now all across this room, and at the altar, let me, let me have your eyes for just a moment. Just a moment. I'm going to say it one more time. Following Jesus will cost you something. And, and your first thought is going to be, I have to give up something good. And it's something that seems good. But according to scripture, it's something that's going to reap a harvest of death in your life. Not following Jesus because of one thing will cost you everything. Amen? Amen. Give it up for these people who came up to the altar. You guys, please go find your seat. Thank you so much. We got to thank Ryan too because he's, his fingers are probably dying with that guitar. I just want to encourage you guys again. Man, what you don't resolve, you will repeat. And that could have been a moment for you that changes everything. But what we do is we have a moment like that, but we build on it. Okay? We build on those moments.
Because if you just let that be an emotional moment that slides and doesn't affect you next week, then, then what was the point, right? So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Amen? Amen. Well, let's... Um, we got to give it up for Ryan because I, I swear I know his fingers are dying. And we're going to go into a quick time of offering together as we close our service. So if, if you have your Bibles... Are you guys still okay? Are, we, are you still with me? You know, I'm not usually a long-winded preacher, but man, when the Spirit takes over, I mean, yeah, exactly. That's what the Bible says when it says the faith of a child. Amen? Turn to Luke 6. Luke 6, 38. <clears throat> says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Somebody shout, press down. down. Shout, shaken together. together. To make room for more. more. Running over over. and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. You don't even have to add nothing to that. Scripture, sweet as that. You know something I believe about tithes and offerings? I don't know if it works this way, but I, man, I sure hope. But so much of the fruit that comes from your giving, you will never know until you enter the kingdom of heaven. With a church like ours that supports the ministries that we do across the globe, I mean, just imagine one tithe and one offering was enough to support one service where 10 people got saved who went on to be missionaries in five different countries who started five different churches that then expanded to 500. And imagine it was all because of one person's giving. I mean, I I don't think it works this way, but I'm going to ask Peter at the gate. I say, hey, so... March 2023, um, you know, but man, I truly believe that there's so much fruit that comes when you give and we know that God is faithful and when you tithe, you are starting something. Amen. And like we saw in scripture earlier, man, when, when he starts a good work within you, he's going to see it to completion. Amen. Amen. So let's pray as we close service. And let's pray for this offering. Father, we thank you for this night. God, I thank you for your word that you set forth. And God, I just pray that you would just bless those who can give. And Father, I just pray that you would take that offering, you would take that giving, Father, you would use it and multiply it for your kingdom. And Father, that the overflow would come from God's people and that even the people around us in our lives would start to get blessed. We thank you that you are a faithful God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, hey, Brother Steve back here, he's got the bucket. So you guys are officially dismissed. Make sure if you have that offering that you give it on your way out. Don't forget you can also give by text. The best way to give, I think, is on the app. 
And it's so easy. All you do is you literally press give, enter a number, and you press enter one more time, and then it's done. And it's like people in the next generation won't even know what a pencil is, yet alone a pen, or and they won't know what a piece of paper is, a book. Do you mean a, a tablet book like, like this that looks like a book? Yeah, I have a comp book case for my iPad. Uh, well, thank you all so much for being here. I hope you received something, not because of anything I said, but I hope that every word I said went out in one ear and out the other and everything the Spirit of God implanted went straight to your heart. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being here. You are dismissed.